How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 207 here on 830 WCCO. Your home for Twins baseball. Your home in the winter months for Timberwolves basketball. It is a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in downtown Minneapolis where our studios are located. Beautifully mostly because we finally got some bearable temperatures, right? After what's felt like about two weeks of 90-plus degree heat, the humidity. It's currently 79 degrees, mostly cloudy skies, and we even got some much-needed rain last night. That certainly helps out uh, the lawn situation for a lot of us uh, in the Twin Cities and surrounding areas. So, my name, Alan Horton. You hear me on 830 WCCO during the Timberwolves season. And normally it's during the winter months. And to give the Wolves a little bit of credit, we went even further this year, almost to the month of May before the Wolves got knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, So we had a lot of Timberwolves basketball in hand. Really fun run. Uh, A surprising season in a lot of sense. And uh, capped off with a six-game series, a heated series, against the uh, now-hated Memphis Grizzlies. It's funny how you get into a postseason series and all of a sudden, you know, it, it's fun playing teams throughout the course of the season. Maybe you get a little upset at some things, but you kind of move on because you're facing a new opponent uh, the very next night or two nights later. Uh, but when you play a team with, with with playoff stakes on the line and you're facing them one night, two nights, three nights, six consecutive games, uh, things get a little heated. There's some bad blood. And uh, I, I, I th- that that's what made that Grizzlies series such a fun series in my eyes. And I, and I think there was a, a pretty good healthy re- rivalry developing between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. And of course, that uh, then the Grizzlies went on and played the Golden State Warriors. And, and we know that those two guys, those two teams got into it a little bit. And there's a war of words between those teams, maybe even more so than what we saw from the Timberwolves and from the Grizzlies. But again, my name's Alan Horton. I'm filling in for my man Steve Thompson this afternoon. 2 to 5.30, we're leading you right up to Twins baseball here. And Twins kind of, uh, and Major League Baseball, I think, kind of takes center stage here or is beginning to after a after a busy week of NBA talk leading up to the draft. The draft next week begins NBA free agency. There'll be plenty of buzz about that. But this is kind of the time where baseball Kind of takes center stage. The NHL Stanley Cup is winding down. Their playoffs are ending. Uh, It is offseason, although there's a lot of interest in free agency. Uh, It's really baseball's opportunity to kind of uh, gather everyone's attention before before the NFL kicks into training camp. And we all know that the NFL is is an absolute monster. And as soon as they begin training camps and preseason games and then into the regular season, uh, they are must-see TV, and and their ratings have proven it. Uh, through the years. Um, So we're leading you up to the Twins 
and the Colorado Rockies. I, I can't believe the the Twins are not playing the Cleveland Guardians. Every time I look up, they're playing either the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, or the Cleveland Guardians. And and I, I those three teams to me, I just I have no interest in any of those three teams. Chicago, I've the White Sox. I can I can that that piques my interest a little bit, but I don't know that I need to see nineteen division games against any team. And I've got some good news for you. I just found this out today. It's 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 been one of my pet peeves about baseball uh, for a number of years. Ever since I, I'm not sure how long they've been going with so many divisional games, but they play each team in their division 19 times. That's 76 out of their 162 games. Almost half their schedule comes against the Royals, the Tigers, uh, the Guardians, and, and the White Sox. And next year they're getting away from it. They're knocking that down to 14 times against division opponents and and the great thing that that now allows teams to do and the the major league baseball schedule makers to do guess what starting next year the twins and every team will play each of the other 29 teams in at least one three game series you're going to see every team in the league starting next season in at least one three game series. So obviously you'll still play your division more. There there has to be an importance on divisions because if you win your division, uh it, it does propel you to the postseason. They've put emphasis on that. Uh the NBA has gone the complete opposite way where they've devalued the division so much. You don't play your division opponents any more than you play maybe the San Antonio Spurs or the Sacramento Kings or the Phoenix Suns. Um they've devalued it to the point where I don't know even why you still have divisions. That's been another pet peeve of mine is that they either put some emphasis on the, on the division or get away from it completely. You know what happens after opening night or the first week of the NBA season? You open up standings on ESPN.com or whatever your favorite athletic web, website is. It goes right to conference standings. It doesn't look at the divisions. You go to conference standings. Divisions play no role in anything other than they're like a second or third tiebreaker in a couple of different scenarios if you have two teams that are tied at the end of the regular season. So I absolutely love what Major League Baseball is doing next year, taking away some of those divisional games. We just I don't need any teams playing 19 times a game. I don't need the Red Sox and Yankees playing that much. I don't want to see the Dodgers and Giants playing that much or the Cubs and Cardinals. But I tell you what, if you tell me that the Twins are going to play the Pirates for three, then they're going to go on and play the Nationals for three. I'm, I'm in. I'm intrigued. It's different, right? And we're not dedicating a huge chunk of the season to playing some of these teams. But give me, give me some new faces. Give me some new teams, some new storylines. I think it's fantastic that you're going to see every single team in Major League Baseball starting next season. And I'm going to get the thoughts of Corey Provis coming up. He's going to join me here. The voice. You hear him here, obviously, throughout the entire summer. The voice of the Minnesota Twins, he and Danny Gladden, Chris Atterbury, the whole crew uh, bringing you Twins uh, baseball all season long here on 830 WCCO. And I'll ask him about his thoughts on on that change coming up. I was pleasantly surprised to find that out today. And again, I just was doing a little research and I I was trying to figure out which of all the four leagues who plays their division opponents the most. And, And it is Major League Baseball by a long stretch. I think the NFL has it just about right, but it, you know they have 17 games now, and you play each of your division opponents twice, one home, one road, um, and I think that's kind of a, a perfect number there. And, and baseball, is, I mean, uh, basketball is so down; it's just it, it makes absolutely no sense that that, that the NBA uh, still has divisions out there. So we're going to take a quick time out here. Corey Provis is a busy man; he's got got the game to get ready for tonight. The Twins and Rockies, little interleague baseball. 
Also, how about these tw- the Twins in these one nothing games? It's back-to-back games. They won on Thursday one nothing. They lose last night one nothing. It's the first time in over 51 years that the Twins have played back-to-back one nothing games. They have dropped four out of five, but guess what? You start today still tied with the Guardians and the top of the AL Central. Corey Provis joins me next here on 830 WCCO. 219 here on 830 WCCO, your home for Twins baseball. And the man you'll hear calling the games tonight along with Dan Gladden. Chris Atterbury's got the uh, Twins lineup pregame card. Uh, I think I stumbled through that one, but uh, that's coming up at 530. Corey Provis along with me here. Corey, good to talk to you. Alan, what's up, man? Uh, great to be on with you, and hope uh, hope your NBA season went well. Exciting times, and it sounds like the arrow is going up. I think uh, so. Right now. You know, that, that's great for you. I like, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think the arrow is going up, and I think it's going up for both squads. I think that works for the Twins and for the uh, for the Timberwolves. You know, exciting season here. You know, after last year was a, was a total disaster, but this year, you know, I didn't know what to make of the team, and then the lockout ends, and all of a sudden it's a whole different group of guys. Uh, just completely overhauling the 40-man roster and all the trades, and, you know, it was fascinating. Once that, once that lockout ended, mm-hmm. you know, the Twins were one of the busier teams in baseball, and it's been fun. Uh, a four and eight start. I guess that's why we do not uh, judge a team just 12 games into a 162-game schedule. Yeah, I hope you don't do that. I've learned that lesson. <laughs> uh, you know, unless you start the year like 0-22, like the Cubs did eons ago, and uh, you know Baltimore in the past, they historically have had some some bad starts. You're you're going to be okay. But uh, you know, four and eight. I think we knew this team would hit. You know, there's kind of a feast or famine with this group. There are games where they put up ten, but then there are stretches right. they put up one or none. In the case of like last night, so it's odd, but. You know, that, that's the game. I mean, sometimes, you know, it works that way emotionally, how draining probably the three-game series against Cleveland was, and maybe there was a carryover to that and the lack of energy and the lack of offense last night. I mentioned before the break, back-to-back one nothing games. Uh, Twins win on Thursday, I believe, and then lose last night, both by one nothing scores. First time in, what, 51 years you've had back-to-back one nothing games. Have uh, mathematicians or NASA checked in yet to uh, determine the chances of this happening three games in a row? Do we know what the number is? I'm sure sure there are people working at it. I would imagine that Elias and all the folks in the PR department are getting ready. But won't hit send because it's kind of negative. Won't right. hit send until we get to that moment. Well, hey, if you're winning these one nothing games, that can work, right? I mean, that's uh, – it's what, what, what is more important in your eyes? Do you look at pitching being more important or, or offense? I think you got – I mean, I, I think back to, to 1991, and we joke about it a lot, you know, with Danny in the booth and, you know, Game 7 and the World Series, and, and as great as mm. Jack was, he was amazing – you got to score a run. You got to get on base. Somebody has to do it. And the Cupertino kid did that. Hustle double. <laughs> and, and, of course, scored on Larkin's uh, base hit. But, you know, we always joke with Jack. You know, he, he was the MVP of the World Series that year. But whenever I see him, I say, Jack, did you score the run? Did you get on base? <laughs> right. It doesn't matter, Jack, if you do 20 innings. You don't win the game unless somebody scores. So we're waiting. And maybe it'll happen in August when Danny goes in the Twins Hall of Fame and Jack is going to be here. Maybe he'll finally cut that World Series MVP trophy in half and give Danny his share. Corey Provis, along with us, the voice of the Twins. Uh, Corey, I get this question a bunch um, in terms of uh, NBA play-by-play, but advanced statistics, I thought I'd ask you a question about this. In your preparation for a broadcast, how much do you incorporate? I I feel like there's a lot of advanced statistics in the NBA, and I think that might be just a fraction of what's available um, in Major League Baseball. 
Um, there, there are terms that I've never even heard of and acronyms that I don't even know what they stand for. How do you go about kind of looking at those, working them into a broadcast, or is it something that you just can't get into some of those things because they're too complicated? No, I mean, I do. I, I use them a lot because that's how today's rosters are built, and that's how even, you know, mm-hmm. players are drafted because, you know, all, all the, the StatCast data or TrackMan or Hawkeye, whatever tracking data that you have up here is pretty comparable down in, in the college ranks too. So your, your, your Division One programs are going to have similar, maybe not the same, but pretty similar, you know, tracking, you know, statistics and programs and software. So this is how, you know, guys are drafted because they, they, they look at how these guys are tracking, either from a pitching standpoint, a hitting standpoint, defensive, you name it. They have some ability to look at that and compare with whatever it, it, they're being used in college, whatever software, to what they have you know, at the professional level. So I think it's imperative to use it. What I have to remind myself, uh, though, often is that not everybody understands it. So when I'm talking right. about – you know, Byron Buxton has, you know, an OPS over 900. Well, what does that mean? Well, then you remind people what league average is. Yep. And I think it's, and I, I try to do that with, with batting average and, and, and on-base percentage and slugging and OPS. I think those are the main offensive indicators that I use a lot in terms of league average. I will get into weighted runs created plus and OPS plus at times, but just the base to that is league average is 100 so if a guy is an OPS plus of 106, he's 6% better than league average. Right. So he has value. So I think as long as you remind people what the norm is, what the Mendoza line is, yeah. I think then that's a good place to have that conversation. Yeah, and I think uh, one benefit you have in baseball is that you've got the time to between pitches, between batters, to kind of explain that stuff a little bit more than maybe a basketball game, which is moving at a more rapid speed. No question, and I, I admire that you can do that in a sport that you work in because it is up and down, up and down. I, I know there's a ton of threes and you know, you know, penetration and all that. It's hard to do with what you have to do, but I think it's important. It's, it's again, it's it's how I, I hear it all the time doing Big Ten basketball. You know, offensive and defensive efficiency it yep. is, is is something that head coaches will always value with how their team is performing, uh, either positively or negatively. So if the coaches believe in it then I think it's our job to help sell the reasons why or why not. So I, I look back at that as I'm always trying to explain the why. Yeah. And sometimes the why might be above my head. And if that's the case, I am confident and comfortable saying I don't know. Right. And that's what I hope people understand is that I don't know everything. I don't know the answer to everything. And if I don't, I'm fine saying, you know what, that's a good question. Let me look into that, and I'll get back to you tomorrow. And I think if I button it up in that way, I don't think there's a rush to get it to the audience. If I don't know, I'd rather do that than, than rush to it and be wrong and confuse people even more. I think that's a really good point, too, about the baseline. You have to, if you're going to bring something up and it's a statistic that, that, that people are not familiar with it, it doesn't do you any good to mention it um, if they can't have any context to it. Well, is that good or is that bad? Does that, does that rank toward the best of the league? Does that rank toward the worst in the league? And so that's kind of my baseline is that if I don't have the time to explain it or at least briefly let you know whether that's good, bad, indifferent, then, uh, well, indifferent, I probably don't bring it up. But you have to be able to give it some context, with whether that's the, the baseline that you're talking about or with a quick explanation. And I also think that some of the, the old school, you know, back in the day, the stats that we looked at offensively to judge a player's performance, I don't think there's a, those are all in the past. I think there still is a place 
in the game for batting average. I think yeah. if you have a guy at third base in the eighth or ninth inning, a single plays. Yeah. So a single is fine there. I mean, that, that to me, still there's still value in that. But does a single always lead to that guy that put the ball in play into scoring an eventual run? And that's where weighted on base and OPS comes into place because there's more value and slugging. There's more value on extra base hits than singles because the Twins, for example, they don't steal bases. They're, they're dead last in the American League in stolen bases. So forget that. This is a team that's not going to single, sack, bunt, move a guy over and drive him in. This is a team that's going to score runs with doubles and extra base hits and home runs. And if they're not doing that because they don't steal bases, they're, they're not scoring. Corey Provis along with us, the voice of the Twins. You've got uh, the Colorado Rockies in town tonight. Um, but it's in a stretch where you play eight times, uh, eight of 11 games against the Cleveland Guardians. And I realize one of those is a doubleheader coming up that, um, that is a makeup from earlier in the season. But I was just touched on this before the break. I mentioned to you it off the air. But I absolutely love this change that is coming up about only playing your division opponents 14 times. You're going to see every all of the other 29 teams in the league starting next season. I, Corey, I don't need to see 19 games against any two teams. I don't care if it's the Twins and Guardians or Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, Cardinals, you know, pick your opponents. Um, I love the fact that they're cutting back on that. You're going to be able to see every single team in the league starting next year. I, I think it's great for the fans. I think it's wonderful that you have the chance to see, you know, some of the National League stars every year. Yeah. That if you don't see Ronald Acuna Jr., in 2023 then you will in 2024 if you're not going to see Juan Soto in 2023 you will in 24 I love that part of it I think that it's just going to break up the monotony of the season and playing the same teams over and over again and then I also think this helps out like a team like say the Baltimore Orioles we take away 20 games against the Yankees (laughs) and the Red Sox and the Rays. the Rays and the Blue Jays it helps their chances you know it helps their chances now to be more competitive and to to try and buy for a playoff spot. I think it helps them. Now, what I'm curious about is, and I'm sure the schedule is going to be out here. They normally have next year's schedule you know, pretty much done by now. It's not going to be released until August, early September, but I'd imagine that one of the final drafts has been submitted. What, I, what I'm curious is if the Twins, say, go to Colorado next year, and they're there Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday for a three-game series, that if there's if there's a chance for rain that Thursday, mm. if teams are going to be proactive and say, hey, because off days coming back here, it's going to be hard to always go back west because you, you're going you're going to be making all these different yeah. west coast, east coast, going south. Yeah. That if teams will be proactive, if they know that on Tuesday that there is a ninety percent chance for rain on Thursday, to be proactive and play a doubleheader that Wednesday because I think that that's where it's going to get hectic and chaotic. <laughs> Will you lose the chance in those divisional games? Yeah. If you're rained out, okay, you can always make it up. That's fine. You're not going to have that luxury, and you're going to be losing off days, left and right, unless teams, to me, Alan, start to think ahead. And it may be tough for TV, and it may not be ideal for ticketing and scheduling, but you know what? I would hope that the union would, would have chimed in on that because yeah. otherwise off days are going to be hard, and you're going to be playing often. You're going to have, you know, 35 games in in 34 days, and you're going to be just doing these insane stretches of games 
where it's going to be hard to just make up all those dates because the Rockies don't they won't come to Target Field. It's right. not like okay, well right. you'll make it up at home. You won't have that luxury. Yep, and and weather is a factor every single year, especially early on in the season. I mean, you're seeing it with Cleveland next week. You got you got five games there. In, in four days. Uh, Corey, hey, I appreciate it. On a game day, uh, the time is great to catch up. I know TV pays the bills. We all know that. That's the, that's the big TV money. But, hey, I'm a radio guy, heart and heart. I'm listening to you. I'm listening to Danny. I'm listening to Chris. And uh, shout out to uh, Kyle Hammer, too. Uh, fill in once on a Timberwolves radio network game. Engineer extraordinaire. Yeah. Alan, it's a pleasure, man. Uh, great to catch up. And just for you, I'm going to bash the umpires tonight because you do yeah. it better than anybody in the NBA, I love when you get on rest, man. You do it passionately, so I'm going to get on some umps tonight. As soon as that ball gets out of that little box on the screen, you let him have it, even if it's just partially touching it. Just get it, get right on him for it, me. Man. Oh, you got it. You Thanks, got Corey. It, have a great day. Okay, buddy. Take care. Corey Provis along with us here. You'll hear him and Dan Gladden coming up uh, at 6.15, and that game will not be on Bally's Sports North. This is a Fox broadcast if i'm not mistaken but a 6:15 start time we'll have the twins pregame lineup card coming up at 5:30 with chris atterbury i who, who where does this all come from that i get on the referees that's not that's not true is it that can't be uh ed Malloy, tony brothers oh boy curtis blair curtis blair got his name on the list this year when he waved off anthony i'm still not over that one the dunk over gabe vincent on the miami heat i have not gotten over that one maybe we'll 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 throw it back a little bit we'll try to We'll try to replay some of those in our mind, maybe even over the air, coming up here in the uh, on this Sports Saturday. Quick time out here, bottom of the hour news, and we're back after this on 830-WCCO. Well, it- Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. To-
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. It's a busy NBA draft on Thursday night, and uh, busy in the sense that there were teams moving up, moving down, moving all over. Wolves started the night with four picks. They ended the night with four picks, but on three of them, they moved out of those positions. And what happens is you have uh, what just happened with those sound bites you just heard. The Memphis Grizzlies did not take Walker Kessler. The Minnesota Timberwolves took Walker Kessler. The Dallas Mavericks did not take Wendell Moore Jr., the Minnesota Timberwolves took Wendell Moore Jr. And I, I, I don't know why the NBA cannot uh, kind of figure this out just to make it a lot more easy for fans to follow and to understand what's happening, who is making what pick, what trades have been made. But all these things have to happen for some reason 10, 15, 30, an hour, two hours later in the night the next day. By the time it was all said and done, the Wolves had to wait until Friday evening before all of their four trades that they pulled off were officially official. And so, unfortunately, you get pictures of Walker Kessler in a Memphis Grizzlies hat, and he's doing some post-draft media obligations. He's being asked about playing with John Morant. He clearly knows he's not going to be a member of the Memphis Grizzlies, but nobody else does yet. Um, You've got Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. You've got Sham Sharania of, I was about to say Yahoo, but that's old, uh, The Athletic. And those guys are tweeting out all these trades and different scenarios. And meanwhile, you got guys getting pictures with the wrong hats on their head. Some of them know they've been traded. Some of them don't. Uh, it's kind of chaos. And when you had the New York Knicks pulling off what they did on draft night, uh, there was seriously about 30 minutes where people were trying to piece together um, all the different um, elements of the trades that they pulled off. They got about three first-round picks, I think, for that number 11 selection. Oklahoma City finally used some of their draft capital to move up and and basically uh, buy that number 11 pick from the New York Knicks, and Oklahoma City comes away with three of the uh, top 12 picks. But we know the Thunder have a a long way to go. We know that the Timberwolves went a long way last season to go 46-36. and And I was telling, uh, we we had a draft party down at Fillmore, just a couple of blocks away from Target Center on Thursday night, about a thousand season ticket members on hand. Really fun event. Quincy Lewis was there. Troy Hudson was there. We had some of the uh, Timberwolves front office that was there. Um, really fun night. But again, it made it a little chaotic when you got down to number nineteen and Woj is tweeting that the Timberwolves make a trade. But yet Adam Silver is coming out and saying the Timberwolves uh, make the nineteenth pick. I think that was the the kid Laravia. Um, that ended up going to Memphis, but they couldn't announce the trade. I'm not. I just. I don't know why the NBA can't figure this out, and we we can have um, all the correct teams. I don't know why it takes so much time to pull these kind of things off. And one one thing that really hung it up for the Timberwolves was that when they did take at 26 Wendell Moore Jr., they got that pick from Dallas, but really that was Houston's pick that they got in the Christian Wood trade that it can be that had been. Uh, announced about a week earlier, but that hadn't been finalized yet. So until that gets finalized, you can't trade the 26 pick from Dallas to Houston. And then, of course, you can't trade it from Houston to Minnesota until that first trade is completed. So that's why it took so long for that to finally get done. And you remember a couple of years ago when the Timberwolves drafted Jarrett Culver? 
And they had moved up in that draft to get Jarrett Culver, and they had traded Dario Saric and I believe the 11th pick to Phoenix. But the problem was is that um, that trade couldn't be completed into the until the new NBA calendar had turned, which is when which is when free agency can officially begin. It's normally around a July 7th, somewhere in there. Free agency, I think, starts next Thursday on June the 30th, and that's when teams can start to announce things or agree to things, but it doesn't become official until a week later when they set the salary cap and all the league's um, numbers from the calendar year are tabulated. That That's important when you're trying to determine exactly what the salary cap is because it's tied to all the revenue from the previous season. So if any of that makes sense, I hope so. But if not, that's that's a brief explanation of why these things can't happen sometimes. But in that Jared Culver draft, there were a ton of picks and moves that couldn't become official until like two weeks after the draft. It really hung up the entire draft, and the Wolves were just a small part of that. I think New Orleans was in the process of trading uh, the fourth pick in that draft, remember from the Anthony Davis deal. So it gets really complicated. I, I just wish there was a way to simplify things, mostly so that fans can can figure out what's going on. And, I, and I'm still not sure how we figure out um, – it's a big night for the NBA, right? We want people watching and listening to the to the draft, but it's still, boy, with with Shams and, and Woj tweeting out every pick before it happens, it's just it takes a little bit of a shine off of what is a great event and what is really cool to see these guys who have worked so long and so hard to get to this point, have those emotions come out, hug their families, their loved ones, um, get that moment on stage, put on the hat of the team you're going to be playing for. Um, it just takes that shine kind of away a little bit. You almost have to – you want to be on Twitter because you want to know what's going on because, really, that's the only way you can follow this thing. But on the other hand, with Shams and Woj tweeting out the picks before they happen um, just takes away some of the fun to it. I, mean, I, I just – what I'm trying to get to is making a good product – on TV and radio so your fans and everyone can feel good about what's happening. And it just the last couple of drafts, it's just it's really been a problem um, with those guys kind of spoiling the fun of who's 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 going to end up on what team. But we do know for the Timberwolves, you know, I mentioned they, they had four picks going in. They had the 19th pick. That was their own pick from uh, this past season. They had the number 40 pick. That was a second-round pick that came from Washington via Cleveland in the Torian Prince-Ricky Rubio trade in 2021. Uh, the 48th overall pick was the Timberwolves' own second-round pick, and the 50th pick was from Denver via Philadelphia from the uh, way back from the Jimmy Butler trade in 2018. So the Wolves started with four picks, right? 19, 40, 48, 50. They ended up with 22, 26, 45, and 50. So the 50. Those, that stayed the same. They used that pick, and they ended up using that pick on Matteo Spagnolo, who is from Italia. He is a six foot five guard. He's 19 years old. He will be a draft and stash. That's what it's called when you take a player from overseas that is young, that you don't think is right now NBA ready, but you retain his rights, and he continues to play overseas. And if he gets to the point where he's <coughs> excuse me, good enough to come over, well, then you t- retain his rights and can bring him over. A lot of the European players spend a year or two over there. Of course, the last player the Wolves had, I think, that fit that bill was probably uh, probably Ricky Rubio, who spent two years uh, more in Spain playing before he came to the Timberwolves. Now, Spaniolo is not the, the, certainly not a, a top-five pick like Ricky Rubio was, but the, the, the theory remains the same. That's because you can't, 
you don't want to clog your roster with four, five, six um, first or second round picks. There's not enough room on the roster for all those guys. You still got to make decisions. Um, uh, you've already got guys locked up for next season. The Wolves have, I think, around 11 of those. There are a couple of team options in there. But then you have to make decisions about the guys that are free agents. Uh, Jake Lehman fits in that category. Torian Prince fits into that category. Josh Kogi fits into that category. So you don't want to have your roster clogged um, up to 15 guys, and then you've got to make some tough decisions coming up in the fall. So you kind of plan ahead for that. And that's why you saw a lot of teams be willing to move up, to move down, to trade two picks for one because, you know, Oklahoma City is a great example. You can stockpile all the picks you want. You're not going to be able to use all those picks. And so when you find a moment, like Sam Presti did, the GM of the Thunder, to package three first-round picks uh, to the Knicks, you're able to buy your way right in. And that, and that you know, because you're not going to be able to use all those picks anyway. So at some point, you've got to bundle those, use them, and the Oklahoma City Thunder did. So the Wolves dropped from 19 to 22. So you'd move down three spots. But you moved up. If you just look at the numbers where they were drafting, you go from 40 to 26. I mean, that's a big jump into the first round. And then your 48th pick becomes the 45th pick. So if you're just looking at at the numbers, the Wolves did really well. And especially if you consider that at number 19, if the guy you wanted is there, and guess what? You think he might be there at number 22? Well, then that makes this trade all the more sense to trade down and actually get two guys for the price of one, basically. Um, and that's and that's what the Wolves did. And that's what a lot of teams are doing. And, of course, you're also trying to find those trade partners that are willing to kind of make those moves and trade two picks for one pick. And And the Wolves found some they, – they found some takers with, with Memphis for that number 22 pick. They gave up a sec. They also moved a lot of second-round picks around. Um, all told, the Wolves sent out three second-round picks. They got back two. So with the first couple of trades, yeah, they gave up a couple of second-round picks, um, two of them to Houston, one of them to Memphis. But in that second round, they were able to get a couple of those second-round picks back. So overall, you're only losing um, – you know, you're able to make all those moves and only give up one second-round pick. So they traded with Memphis for that number 22 pick, and they got Walker Kessler. Uh, that second pick for the Wolves, they went from – they got the 26th selection. That was a trade with Houston – um, and they selected Wendell Moore Jr. The third trade they pulled off sent the uh, 40th pick to Charlotte for the number 45 pick, and there they took Josh Minot, a six foot nine forward out of Memphis, really athletic kid, very young, very raw. But I think we're going to see. I think we'll see all three of these guys coming up in Las Vegas in the summer league: Walker Kessler, Wendell Moore Jr., and Josh Minot. I expect all three of those guys to not only um, play in Las Vegas Summer League, but they're going to be in town coming up uh, early this week as the Wolves will hold a press conference introducing them. Normally it's the day after the draft, but again, everything wasn't official until uh, until late Friday evening, so that press conference will take place coming up next week. And the fourth trade the Wolves pulled off um, was with Indiana. They sent the 48th pink to the Pacers, basically sold it for a second-round pick and some cash. Oh, those are my best kind of deals. When I can, when I can trade future second round picks and a and a and a and a little bit of cash, and a little bit of cash usually means eh, it could be a million dollars there. That is always my kind of deal. Uh, when we come back, I'll give you some details on what we can expect. Walker Kessler, Wendell Moore Jr. We'll hear from uh, Tim Connolly, president of basketball operations, after the draft about some of the moves that he did pull off. That's next on eight three zero WCCO. So there's Tim Conley, president of basketball operations after the draft. And one thing he did not only 
after the draft, but in his pregame availability before the draft, he really stressed that you know even with that 19th pick, which the Wolves did not end up drafting there, they went even further down 22 and 26, is that uh, not to put too much pressure on uh, the draft picks in in that range. You just late in the first round, um, A, the hit rate is, is just not that high as you look over the years uh, through NBA drafts of what kind of impact late first-round picks make. Um, some of them are able to do it, be in the starting lineups, maybe become all-stars, but um, the further you go down in the draft, the lesser impact those those players can have. So I think he was wary of put, not putting too much pressure on saying that one of those players, whoever they were going to draft going into it, turned out to be Walker Kessler and uh, Wendell Moore Jr., is that those guys are not going to come in and be in the starting lineup or maybe even have that great of an impact for a playoff team. And one thing Tim Conley talked about was, you know, you looked at the final, you know, eight teams that were left in the playoffs. Who was playing rookies out there? What kind of what, what rookie out there made an impact on a winning playoff team late in the postseason, maybe outside of that first round? The answer is not many. There are not many to none. And so that's kind of trying to put it in perspective of what, um, you know, what can you expect from a guy like Walker Kessler, who's got an incredible size. He's a seven foot one center. He's got a seven four wingspan. He has a nine five standing reach. And last year at Auburn, blocked 4.6 shots a game. 4.6. If that sounds like a lot, it is. He led the NCAA in blocks, he had the highest block rate. In the NCAA, since 2008, you have to go all the way back to Larry Sanders. Remember Larry Sanders with the Milwaukee Bucks? 2008, Larry Sanders had a slightly higher block rate than did uh, Walker Kessler. But it's going to be fun to see him play. And coming up, we'll talk to his head coach, Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Joins me next on 830-WCCO. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.